0: Social media is a funny one. It's never over-interested me. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, I understand that it's a massive thing these days, marketing and being able to sell the fights and the accessibility to the public. So you've kind of got to get involved in it as much as sometimes you don't really want to. And with social media comes great opportunities. You're putting yourself out there and it's a great network. And then flip side of that, you get a lot of
1: trolls. Today, we're really pleased to be speaking with Jack Catterall, who's one of the UK's most exciting boxers. Over the past year, Jack has been driven by his pursuit for a rematch with the former undisputed £140 champion Josh Taylor. In their fight last year, many believe that Catterall deserved the win, which he lost on a split decision. Jack has a win rate of 97%, a knockout rate of 47%, and along the way, Jack has picked up several major honours, including the British Central Area Super Lightweight title, the British Super Lightweight title, and the WBO Intercontinental Super Lightweight title. On today's episode, we're going to delve into what things are actually like for a professional athlete when it comes to managing their money in the form of sponsorships, prize money and managing their income alongside the stresses that come with being a professional athlete. Jack, it's brilliant to have you with us today. Oh, thank you for having me down. So, Jack, many people have this image of athletes in their head of earning massive paychecks. But of course, things aren't always like that throughout the entirety of your career. Could you shed some light into the sort of financial life of an athlete and what it's been like for you as you've gone through the different stages of your career up to this point.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think there's a big misconception sometimes for professional athletes. Grassroot boxing, started amateur at 10 years old, Mm -hmm. uh, turned professional at 19. And as a turned professional, it took me a number of fights to get a TV deal. Now my amateur background wasn't great. I had a great amateur career, but there was a lot more people in and around my weight categories who had a lot more success. Mm -hmm. Having that success brings you on to, to bigger tournaments like the Olympics, like the Commonwealth Games. And it's from these tournaments that you can then turn professional uh, with a TV broadcast where there is a lot more money involved. Uh, so for when I turned professional 2012, it took me a number of fights to get the recognition and, and get onto a TV platform. So previous to that, them, them six or seven fights that I had, people would be very surprised at how much you actually do get paid to fight. Some of them fights were for less than
1: £500. And what, what are the sort of main stresses you're going through at that point when you're, you know you've got this belief that you can make it as a professional boxer and what what we've seen over the last few years has shown that you're completely right to have that belief but at that point in time what's going through your head when you're thinking is this actually going to work out?
0: You know what there's so much sacrifice involved so I went to college got my college degrees and then I turned professional and at that time you've got friends and and family that are are moving into new careers they've got jobs they're going out at weekends partying Mm -hmm. and you kind of sacrifice so much to be away from all that and then you're doing all that sacrifice and the rewards are very little at the time, but sure. it's having that belief that that long term it's going to pay off. And there were years, and even up to a couple of years ago, there's there's been stages in my professional career where you are contemplating whether you're going to going to make it work. Uh, I've always believed in my ability, but sometimes the outside factors can play a part. So it's but ultimately I had that belief that I could go overcome these these obstacles and make being a professional boxer a career work
1: for me. When you were at the early stages of your career, you've obviously got a lot of things that you need to pay for as um, a boxer that's moving through through the the early part you know you've got to pay your subs at the gym you've got to pay for your travel you've got to pay for your manager your coach all of those things how did you manage to afford those things alongside trying to train to the best of your ability and stay fight fit
0: yes well, it is difficult traveling to the gym like you just said then you've got your coaches to pay managers to pay and just overall living expenses mm-hmm. uh, you're training you're eating well.
1: Because that's not cheap, is it? Eating well, people eating often well, forget Eating well but. is not
0: cheap. Uh, you're travelling to the gym, you're, you're, you're up and down the country sparring, so you need the transport. And like I said, some of the fights I had for, were less than £500, pounds, so you're nicking days work, doing craft on the markets. Mm-hmm. Earlier on in my correct, professional career, I was a, a grounds worker, so I did a bit of tarmacking. I'm quite fortunate with that job, I managed to start early.
1: Does that help you train a little bit as well? It's not easy work? It's not
0: easy work. It used to be finished for like dinner time, one o'clock, so I'd still have time to... Have uh, the rest bit of the day well. to to get to the gym. Okay,
1: but yeah, it's ultimately it's a lot of
0: sacrifice, and uh, it was only probably five six years into my professional career where I started to be able to to see the benefits and the rewards.
1: You said your your granddad was a market trader, and you helped him out um, on on certain days. Did that feed into helping you later in your career? Because I'm ju- I'm just thinking that you've got to be a bit of a salesman as a boxer, right? You need to attract deals, endorsements, and sponsorships. Did that feed in at all? skills you yeah there.
0: i'd say slightly it's more uh, for me over the last last five or ten years it's been networking and, and interacting with people i guess you're on the busy markets uh, you can't be shy you've got to interact and speak yeah. to people and uh get the sales done so definitely played a big part and quite funny actually uh, my niece she's working for my granddad now he's still on the market and, uh, you? <laughs> my younger brothers and sisters have all been on there with him
1: yeah family industry
0: family industry
1: one of the things that we're seeing a lot of at the moment with athletes and And what you've just touched upon prior to this is that it's not as easy and as straightforward as many people think getting to the top. The athletes that we do see at the top are the ones that they do have it very well when they get the main contracts, and that's across every sport. Right now we're seeing a lot of footballers going over to Saudi Arabia chasing big money deals. We also see a lot of boxing fights in Saudi Arabia, same as the Live Golf development out there. What are your thoughts when we see a lot of the public criticizing athletes for going out there and sort of chasing big money deals?
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. So for me, uh, I turned professional. and My goal was always to be world champion. you come in through the ranks. I won the British title. And then you go through the intercontinental titles and ultimately I, I could see a world title in the not too distant future. And I've not actually captured that yet. But, sure. but then on the flip side to that, you're getting these fighters now and, and different athletes taking opportunities in the Middle East for stupid amounts of money. And you can't really deny it. People have always said to me, great people that I've had around me, World titles are nice, but they don't pay the mortgage, they don't pay the bills. So if the opportunities did come to to make these big fights, these mega fights, then it's definitely something you've got to consider.
1: And do you think it's slightly unfair that the judgment people are getting? I mean, it seems like the general public forget that athletes are just like anyone else in terms of they have to pay their mortgage, they have to pay to bring the kids up, they have to pay for their travel, you know, everything, right? Do you think that athletes get treated differently just because they're on TV, because they're, you know, seen as stars? Yeah, a prime
0: example would be Tyson Fury. Now, I'm a massive boxing fan, so obviously I want to see Tyson fight Usyk for the Undisputed. Uh, we've seen him take a fight against Iganu, an MMA fighter who's never had a professional boxing match before. But we know what he's going to get paid for that fight. going to be a ridiculous amount of money, so you can't really... I understand both sides of the, the coin, so to speak. I understand mm-hmm. the fans wanting to see the great matchups and uh, selflessness from the athlete's point of view. It's a short, short-lived career, and in that time frame, you need to make
1: that money to be able to, to look after your family. Absolutely, and, and it's an interesting point you touch on with it being a short career. As a professional athlete, it seems like you've got so much of the, the first part of your career where you're building up and you're not really earning large amounts of money. You have that short period where you are, where you reach your sort of peak, and then after that, you've got to transition into a different style of life, right? How do you plan for that as an athlete for life after boxing? So I think the first steps for me would be surrounding
0: with, with like-minded people. Uh, I'm very fortunate that I've got a good network of people uh, in lots of different industries and, and taking advice and, uh, and definitely putting the plans in place, planning for the future uh, I turned 30 a couple of weeks ago, so I know that I've got another five or six years left in this, mm-hmm. in the boxing, uh, So, and I'm at that stage now where I'm involved in big fights, so it's about using that to my advantage and, and putting plans in place for after
1: boxing. And how do you do that as a, an athlete, when you say put plans in place, what's your strategy without going into too much personal detail? but like Yeah, so
0: looking at opportunities that will, that will come after the boxing, whether that's opening boxing gyms, uh, mm-hmm. doing the commentary work, uh, and speaking to to people like the company we're at today, to, be speaking to people like James and having plans in place to what to do when... I mean, I've never, I've not come from a lot of money, so when you do get these, this prize money from fighting, knowing how to invest it and what to do with it.
1: Because we do see a lot of, especially footballers, but I think it's probably seen across a lot of different sports, you get a huge number of athletes following their retirement going bankrupt. Why do you think that is? What, what's the main driver behind that? Do you think it's lack of financial literacy? Do you think it's just because you get so used to having large amounts of money coming in that you don't really build up the, the discipline of saving it? What, what do you think lies behind that? Yeah, I think it's lack of education. We're professional athletes and
0: uh, we call, call upon our professionals, uh, nutritionists, boxing coaches, uh, to help us become the best that we need to be for our job. But mm-hmm. you definitely need to go and seek advice from professionals in that industry and uh, have people around you that can advise you on, on decisions to make
1: and when does that like happen for an athlete at what point in your career journey do you get introduced to someone that's saying oh hi I'm here to to help you manage your finances or is that something that you have to go and seek out yourself or what's the normal direction so I've got a
0: manager and an advisor and they can kind of give you advice but I think you have to take that responsibility as an individual and and reach out and use your resources to find the correct people uh, to make the right decisions
1: and is it difficult to do that when you're in the middle of training for a fight you've got so many things to think about you've got media appearances family nutrition sleep training is that the last thing on your mind or does it play a sort of major role well, it's, it's the
0: last thing but definitely a good point so you've got to you've got to make time for things that are important now mm-hmm. as much as i'm enjoying being a professional athlete uh, going away in training camps coming back spending time with family uh, I know that in a, in a few years, that, that will all come to an end and I will not be sat there then thinking, I wish I'd have done this, I wish I'd have done that. It's, it's my responsibility to go make things happen and, and reach out
1: and find that that advice. I, I think that's, that's completely fair because you you see a lot of people judging athletes again, going back to that point that, oh, you know, they've, they've gone bankrupt at age 40, they, they earned so much, how is that even possible? But they forget the fact that, so you're, you've just turned 30 yourself and a lot of people, for example, in the city we're in right now in London, don't start saving until they're 32, 33, 34, 35, right? And we see that in our industry as well. And they forget that just because you're at the peak of your career, that you should be saving huge amounts and you should have that inbuilt discipline when people in the same age group don't have that anyway that, that we're seeing. So do you, again, is that unfair pressure but on athletes to have that kind of discipline just because you're you're amazing athletes that you would have other sides of it that you'd be really disciplined with your finances.
0: Yeah, I'd say it would definitely unfair. I mean, you made a great point. People are only doing that in the in the mid 30s, so it kind of like what's the difference and sometimes you get that suffocated by what you're involved in, uh, training camps, uh, media, Mm-hmm. sparring etc it's hard to you kind of you don't want to take your eye off what you're doing to get sidetracked kind of the same when you get media obligations before fights so a lot of fights like, I don't want to do that no, it's a business so we've got to go and sell the fight
1: mm-hmm. going um, back to
0: your market trading <laughs> going back to the market you've got to sell the fight you've got yeah. to, to turn up and, and do all these obligations but on the same time you don't want to switch off from your training and take your eye off the ball so it's, it's, it's a fine line between delegating the time to, to your training and do what needs to be done and also outside of that Uh, planning your finances
1: for sure for sure so with any kind of professional athlete injuries play pretty major role in your career planning you've been quite lucky in that you haven't faced any major injuries throughout your career but have you had any setbacks related to injury from from perhaps an opponent um and i know josh taylor who you were supposed to fight had an injury last december right how how do you plan for that
0: touch wood i've always i've not had any major injuries i've had uh, small. Operations on my hands, cuts and bruises, but I think that's that's part of the game that we're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately for me, as you mentioned, in December last year we were scheduled to fight uh, Taylor in the rematch and he, he had an injury then one thing led to another and he ended up fighting a different opponent. But as far as me, I've, been, I've looked after my body. I think that's important for a lot of athletes coming through to take care of your body. You get one body. It's so all like training all week, and you can't. Got to be around the board. You can't, you've got to get your sleep, your nutrition right, and you can't be at the party. And there's a there's a life after boxing, I guess, for that.
1: And how do you plan for injuries? So, say you've got a really big fight coming up, and I think this is probably something that most fans aren't really aware of, myself included. How do you on do, do you have insurance in place for that? That if you had a big money fight coming up and you got an injury the night before. What happens with all the contracts? What happens with you getting paid? Because you've been preparing for a number of months for that night. What, what happens in that situation? Yeah,
0: so ultimately, in my sport, if you if you don't fight, you don't get paid. I, mm. I have got insurance policies in place now. I had a young daughter two years ago, so it was important for me to, again, be planning in advance and putting things in place. Are uh,
1: these boxing-specific insurances? Boxing-specific yeah.
0: insurances, uh, in case there was any kind of detrimental life-changing injuries that my family could be taken care of but I think you've got to to look after your body I've got
1: a physiotherapist and just being sensible and you said you you started thinking about this insurance when you had your daughter prior to that was there anything that you had in place no you know what Uh, before my daughter didn't have any insurances in place
0: kind of something that I'd not really delved into but then after I think you realize when you become a parent it's not all about you and got a child now so it's about her future and looking after her so if my career can help pave the way for for my little girl's future I need to put these plans in place and one of
1: them is is insurance. So that was a really big wake-up moment for you when you had your little girl did did you have a conversation with anyone about that or was it you just sort of you know sat in bed one night standing in the shower thinking oh okay now it's time to kind of snap into action and move into a different gear in terms of your responsibility? Yeah I think it goes down to network again Uh, a local company by me had reached out and
0: uh, it was something that I, th- I thought about maybe once or twice in the past, but never really until I had,
1: had my daughter. And then it was something that I thought, you know what, I need to take care of that. Mm-hmm. And do you f- wish that you'd done something sooner? I guess it's probably more expensive the later you wait. Is this something that you would, if you were chatting to, you know, a sort of 22 year old boxer right now, would you advise them to look into that at the early stage of, the, of their career or... Yeah, looking back, I can't say I've got any regrets in
0: not doing it, but mm. again, a lesson for me and hopefully I, the lessons that I've learned throughout my career I can pass on to the next
1: generation it, and it would be something that I would definitely bring up and advise them to do so moving on on to another topic social media and online platforms have become essential for athletes to really build their profile does that come naturally to you and how has that impacted your finances within the sport social media
0: is a funny one it's never over interested me Mm -hmm. but on the flip side i understand that it's a massive thing these days marketing and being able to sell the fights and the accessibility to the public so you've kind of got to get involved in it as much as sometimes you don't really want to and with social media comes uh, great opportunities, you're putting yourself out there, and uh, it's a great network. And then on the flip side of that, you get you get a lot of trolls.
1: How do you deal with them? You know
0: what? Up until about 2017, I think he had a fight against O'Hara Davis, and we're getting a lot of uh, a lot of nasty messages. And he used to sit there and it from who?
1: fans? Just
0: from uh, trolls, yeah, fans, yeah. people online, and or people who say they're You'd fans. go through your inboxes and you'd
1: be sat there and you'd probably read them just before you went to bed and you wouldn't sleep great and. Do you read the direct messages? Because obviously you've got comments that are on a post. Do you read the direct
0: Yeah, I yeah, have a look a in through can... the
1: direct messages and you get some, some messages. And it was around that time
0: frame and it, it really wound me up. And then I don't know what it was, but I must have turned a corner and I can honestly say it doesn't, it doesn't really bother me. You kind of feel sorry for the people that, that kind of write that stuff and Spent put it, it online. So you know, kind of like screenshot it and send it to Mrs. and we'll have a laugh. But I mean, you've got to take it with a pinch of salt. Because that must be really hard for young boxers coming through to deal with that. Yeah, a prime example would be, we had the fight in, in Glasgow last year. Uh, so it's fight week. The whole family's up in Scotland. We're in a, a shopping centre mm-hmm. for the Josh Taylor fight. It's the public workout, the Wednesday before the fight. And me missus with her with a little girl and she's got a phone out and she's recording part of the public workout. Might have been three, four hundred people in around the ring. She gets a notification on Instagram and it was... A direct message there's a group of males maybe in the 40s and they've said look up so it's like a, a tiered uh shopping center mm-hmm. a group of like middle-aged men giving her like the signs and going like
1: uh your boyfriend's not, not gonna dying. make it
0: home safe and etc and you just think sad people but
1: yeah. that, that's part of the territory i think so it's half the afternoon. they're going to bed bath and beyond and then giving you <laughs> in, is a, is in it? a shopping center that's horrible Okay so in terms of prize money and fight purses these can be quite unpredictable as as can be the whole entirety of your career in terms of how much you're going to earn how do you plan for that in terms of trying to maintain a st- sort of standard quality of life with the knowledge that you're going to have you're going to have years when money's really going to flow in and, and years where it's going to be quite lean how do you plan for that?
0: Yeah I think you've got to set set targets and budgets and know what you're spending and have be on top of your finances so Previous to the Taylor fight, I was out the ring for 16 months, but I think the planning uh, off my own back before that allowed me to to stay in the gym and not have to go back to work and, and pay my mortgage and pay my bills, I think. A rule that I've I've always lived by is is I'm at least 18 months in front of where I need to be, so mm-hmm. God forbid anything did happen. I know that I'm at least a year or two clear on what I'm spending Living now. Living expenses. Yeah, exactly.
1: And and do you, do you rent, do you have do you have a mortgage how does that work for you yeah so I've got a mortgage and uh, being a professional athlete
0: it's not the most easiest getting a mortgage especially yeah, in I the current imagine. climate yeah. uh, a lot of uh, the lenders don't want to lend to a professional boxer do you understand I think how do you okay. get around that with with some good advice really so we bought a new house in January mm-hmm. and they only wanted to lend for 8 to 10 years ok so they're predicting Making that the mortgage like, super hard. I've got a career for another couple of years and I might have some money in the bank. But after that, it's like they think you're not going to work again. So, again, good people around me, accountants, advisors, and uh, being able to overcome it and, and get
1: a mortgage. Again, I suppose that's something that people just don't give credit for, the stress of an athlete, that you have to, you have to struggle to get a mortgage. Not, not because you don't have the, the money at hand, but because your career span is so much shorter, like most people are going to be working till sixty-five, so the banks just see them as a, a fairly stable cash machine that will pay every single month. But you don't fall into that category, despite potentially earning more than most people.
0: Yeah, that that's just one example. And uh, are there any of everything else with with getting cars and uh insurance premiums and, and a lot of list of things like that? The you see your career as, as quite dangerous, which it is, and it's a short career, so there's no leeway for us athletes.
1: Mm, I can imagine. Does that play on your mental health at all? It sounds like you're fairly disciplined and, and organized, but have, have you gone through periods where your mental health suffered due to the, the volatility of this? Uh, the toughest time in boxing for me was was the pre Taylor fight. I had a period
0: of inactivity, uh, and that was through no fault of my own. This was uh, accumulation of, of managers and Contracts, TV networks, promoters, and the politics of boxing, so, I kind of felt like, I was kept getting pushed to one side, and there was, I was getting up every day, going to the gym twice a day, training, uh, at this point, my missus was working a full time job as well, and, it's, and it was a, it was a difficult feel. it was a feeling, hard to kind of explain, where, you're doing something, you know there's going to be something come of it, but it's like, having that drive every right day, to, to keep improving, and keep on being better, and, and feeling like, you're not bringing nothing to the table, but, Ultimately, that, that sacrifice and that discipline will, will pay off.
1: What is it that keeps you going at that point?
0: The passion. Passion, the love for it. Yeah, I have I uh, started boxing at 10 years old, so I've been fighting now for 20 years. It's nothing to do with the money at all, is it? No, and you know what? People, people will tell you it's nothing to do with the money. It is, you've got to be able to live, you've got sure, to be able sure, to, sure, sure. to pay your mortgage, uh, to go out for a nice meal. Of, of course, you need to get rewarded for your hard work, but for me, I've been boxing 20 years now, and uh, I absolutely love it. How long
1: do you see yourself boxing for? What's the kind of roadmap for the rest of your career? So I won't put
0: any specific time or date on it, but I think with my style of fighting and the fights that I've had, I wouldn't say I've got a lot of miles on the clock, so to speak. Uh, I've won my fights quite comfortably mm-hmm. uh, and not took too much damage. My body's still functioning well, so I would like to think I can fight for another five or six years, uh, be involved in some great fights and and leave on my terms. And have you got some fight news coming up in the next few weeks? Yeah, so we're in talks now. Uh, I signed a multi-fight deal with Matchroom with Eddie Hearn Mm -hmm. earlier on this year. We had a fight in May. Uh, That was a success. So hopefully now uh,
1: in the next week or so, I can drop some news on, on the next fight. Any clues about where that might be? I think it's going to be up north. Up north, okay, very good. And just finally, Jack, um, for young boxers who are perhaps listening to this and they're so caught up in the passion of their training and everything else that we've already spoken about, in terms of the financial realities of being a boxer, what sort of advice would you give them if you were speaking to sort of 16, 17, 18, even a 19, 20-year-old right now? What would be the main things that you'd say to them in terms of getting things in the right order at an early stage?
0: yeah i think they need to surround themselves with the correct correct type of people uh, that've got the the genuine best interest at heart have a think i mean it's easy for me to sit here and say i didn't do that early on but i'm at a position now where i'm reaching out to the right people and putting plans in place plans in place for a life after boxing mm-hmm. uh, and don't be afraid of afraid of reaching out you can get so carried away with with going to the gym coming home and you need to have that network and speak to people and uh create them relationships where there's going to be opportunities and a life after boxing
1: is that normally found in the gym I mean you, you must have some younger trainers in your gym do, do you see yourself as that kind of authority figure as that mentor nowadays yeah there's a lot of uh, local amateur gyms by me and we've got younger fighters
0: in the gym now so I'd like to think the lessons that I've learned can be passed on to them It'd be foolish for me to see other young athletes that are, that are close to me make the same mistakes I did uh, so it's important for me to to pass any advice and and lessons onto them so they don't have to make that mistake.
1: Brilliant. Thanks so much for coming in today and chatting to us about all these things, Jack. It's been absolutely brilliant to have you. Thank you very much.